Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, DGens and DGenettes, to another episode of the Alfalfa Podcast. We are four radically moderate entrepreneurs and investors swimming in the messy gray ocean, serving up alpha in money, politics, and life. We are Nick Urbani, Eric Johansson, Stephen Cesaro, and I am Arman Asadi. All links at alfalfapod.com. Make sure to hit subscribe wherever you are listening or watching on YouTube and follow us on the socials. And most importantly, hop in our Discord to join the community for the after party and more Alfalfa. Welcome to the Alfalfa Podcast. Holy shit, what a year. Um, We're going to be reviewing the year. We're going to be talking about next year. And uh, we're excited. I'm drinking bourbon. Uh, We got a little year-end review going on here. And uh, some of us are traveling. So we're giving you a... uh, Giving you a little remote virtual episode. Cheers, boys. Nick, are you just Saloon. chugging Dayquil or what's your drink of choice yep. right now? Coffee and Sudafed. <laughs> the beautiful combo. Although there is an overlap of caffeine. Uh, I just realized in those uh, ingredient profiles. So oh, should good. make for a fun, fun recording. That's what I like to hear. Yeah. I actually did not know it had caffeine in it. I knew it made me feel like I wanted to run through a wall, but I didn't understand quite, <laughs> quite why. Um, all right, guys. So we are, like I said, recapping 2022. We're going to talk about some of our biggest lessons. Excited to hear some of those. I do have some questions for you guys as well. And, um, yeah, I think it's, it's important to take a moment to reflect. It's been an incredible year. Um, you can interpret that how you like. I think a lot of people would call it a shitty year when it comes to, to the markets, making money. Um, there's been a lot of madness in the macro, the world itself. And I think we'll spend most of the time talking about our predictions um, and just generally like a game plan for next year. Let's bring our heads together and just talk about what the year might look like. Um, and it's also been, I'm sad to admit, I'm FOMOing a little bit. It's been a big week in the Discord, has it not? Huge week in the Discord. What's going on? Engagement through the roof. Yeah, the Discord's uh, well, popping, huh? Yeah, we had a uh, we had a certain uh, fella who was uh, who was banned for. Um, you know, some fairly egregious reasons, uh, a few months ago came back undercover, uh, but he was quickly, uh, quickly spotted as a, was, was it, was it who, who we think it was like, is this a, almost certainly, I mean, my favorite was that somebody <laughs> posted screenshots from a completely different discord where it's just like, uh, Hey there. Um, so we noticed you have a lot of similarities to, uh, <laughs> Same exact thing. They called him out. Oh my! I feel God. blessed. Uh, he he felt the need to come back, and I know you know I engage. Know. To be fair, he was never actually banned. I just told him to chill the fuck out. Um, oh, he's self banned. So That's the best. It was a self ban. We've had a couple self bans. You know, people. You know, wanna... the public square puts you in place. You know, sometimes you got to know when to chill out. Um, the the be so, cool policy. Just the be cool policy works pretty well. So um, every time we mention this, it's great because a lot of you listening, you know, you're still not on the Discord and you you come to the Discord and you mention that, all right, you guys mentioned it again. And I was like, I got to come see what's going on. And I have to say, it's just an incredible community we have, people all around the world. The conversation is amazing. If you're not in Discord already, don't let that be a blocker either. We basically set up our Discord community to match the podcast. So it's like, we've got a lounge and then we've got a money, politics and life channel. It's amazing. It's honestly, uh, it's the ninety percent. I think really of of this whole thing that we're doing. So pop in the Discord, 
alfalfapod.com. Also follow us on Twitter. Um, our Twitter is is absolutely amazing lately. We've got uh, Rectum, our favorite goat community member, managing it, and uh, he's just been amazing, and that's popping as well. And then last but not least, um, leave us a review, if you could, please, on Apple Podcasts and uh, Spotify. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll read it out on the next episode. Um, so let's kick off Alfalfa round. Who's got who's got the juice to start? Um, yeah, a little bit of... Okay, yep. go, Stephen. Yeah, sure, yeah, sure. I um, have more of a question, so you go. That's cool. Yeah, um, not making any moves this week. I, I've thrown a couple of trades out there. I got liquidated pretty hard the other day. Um, that was fun. Uh, the price immediately reversed. That would have made a lot of money. So that, that, that was a good uh, lesson in uh, trading in illiquid markets. Markets are not... Uh, not fun right now. <laughs> it's a, it's a ghost town what, plus what Christmas. The, what was the asset? I longed uh, BTC like right near the very bottom of that dump we had a few days ago. Um, did not adjust my stops uh, to compensate for the increased volatility in the market. I got stopped out like <laughs> like five or ten dollars, liquidated my whole position, and then we immediately V reversed and went up like five five percent um so that was that was super fun um <laughs> but uh yeah i mean I, I wanted to just uh bring attention to the listeners uh something we've we've, we've brought up a couple t- i think uh beginning of next year uh we like to talk a lot about our friend uh who's who doesn't know he's our friend uh chem croissant uh, who's a uh, very well known uh, for his commentary on on, on options flows and, and and volatility and the effect that they have on the markets, uh, which I've learned this year is is quite a bit, uh, very very large. And I know we talked uh, a couple months back about how he was really bullish going into uh, November, and th- this keep in mind was probably early October, mid October when people were very max bear. Uh, he told us that the setup. Uh, with the way options were was going to lead to uh, crazy flows that would be bullish kind of coming into uh, elections and towards December. And that, that was the case. Um, we got a hell of a rally in the S&P. Um, he also told us we we're going to get a Santa Claus, Santa Claus dump, which uh, seems to be happening right now. So two for two on that. Uh, hmm. Two dates to keep your eye on next year, according to him. Uh, Jan 10, it's apparently a big day for a reversal in these downflows. So if you're looking to take a little long swing trade, as I am, uh, that could be a good uh, good time to maybe look to entering the markets. Uh, but then he's uh, he's turning super bearish again pretty rapidly. I think on uh, Feb 15 is the the next day of doom. Uh, so keep the <laughs> keep an eye out. Are these uh, February options Feb-Jones. expiration dates? Are these pulled from the stars and the moon? Yes, these Venus are and these are okay. these are big uh, opex uh, days. He he likes to talk about how the the, the COVID crash, um, you know, was kind of between the Feb and March, right? We were fine, and even though the world was going to hell, uh, and then we had the opex day, and then suddenly the market just just dumped, and that that wasn't a coincidence. Um, he likened it, I think it was a good analogy. He likened it to, um, you know how we have these uh, VC coins in crypto that have like uh, $20 billion uh, fully diluted valuations, but there's only like, you know, 400 million floating around being traded. 
similar thing with the stock market. You've got this massive like market cap in the stock market, but it's actually only a tiny amount of flows on a relative basis kind of going in and out. Um, and, and it can cause like crazy moves in what seems to be like an otherwise uh, massive market. So uh, definitely something I've incorporated into my trading strategies a lot this year. Um, putting that out there for people if they want to uh, to use that uh, alfalfa. I would like to identify nice. how like how he's doing that stuff because like in in the year you know like in 2022 we've identified uh, data points where we can sort of calculate it ourselves like net liquidity and stuff. Um, I'm I'm also recognizing what you're seeing that like these uh, options expirations and uh, you know dealer positioning really makes a difference. But like I I don't know how to calculate it myself yet, and maybe that's maybe that's a 2023 thing. Yeah, there's definitely tools out there that specialize in it. And like a lot of this, all this data is kind of open and transparent. Like you can see the relative, you know, buys of calls and uh, puts and calls and how, you know, dealers are positioning to compensate for that so that they can kind of remain delta neutral. They just want to sell the options and not be exposed to uh, the, the price movements. Um, I haven't uh, signed up for any of them yet. Uh, all the ones I found were a little pricey, but something I'm considering adding to my arsenal next year. So. I'll let you know if I do that. That'd be fun to add to the arsenal. We added quite a bit of macro data in 2022, so that'd be fun to add uh, this yeah, year. Yeah, we keep sure. uh, keep adding tools to the toolkit, just uh, piece by piece, trying to figure Absolutely. it out. Love it. Um, could you use your guys' ear on something? So mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure out how to exit my ADA short. So it's it's well in the green. I think my original mm, kind of price target range was... 17 to 20 cents is where I where I told myself, hey, this would be like phenomenal trade. We'd love to get out profitable. I'm not trying to get cute with it and like uh time the bottom because I think you could make an argument that like uh this thing could go down, you know, close to where it was before, three, four, five cents. Um, but as of right now, I kind of have uh you know, phasing out of the position starting at 22 cents and then finally closing out around 16 cents. So what do you guys think? Is that uh, don't right whip out the, right in the sweet just spot or just right. greedy? Yeah. Thank you. I think I think you have another eighty-five uh, percent down to go, but that, <laughs> <laughs> that's just me. What'd you say, Eric? You I said, said don't wimp out, man. Oh, like I'm I'm getting uh, too soft with my my exit positions. At a bare minimum, put a little like uh, chandelier trailing stop on it. You know. Okay, and that's it. Like uh, like a like what like a fifteen percent trailing stop and just let the thing swan dive. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Right. I'm, I'm holding on to my my shorts, Ada short. Uh, I was just like, I opened my trading platform to see like option expiration dates, and um, you know, January 10th doesn't even line up with anything. So I don't know why he's like pushing for that. It's a Tuesday, um, hmm. so I don't know why he's like focused on January 10th. You know, January 6th is the the Friday expiration. Um, but I, I know he mentioned January 10th for some reason. It it could be the people refilling post op OPEX, you know, kind of um sizing up positions again, potentially. I don't know. Yeah. Um speaking of shorts, I I found a new shit coin this week to short, and that was DYDX. And um that what man, what a shitty coin. Great it's, candidate. It, I mean, I about it last two weeks this ago, three weeks ago. I, I love the platform. I think the tokenomics suck. And I think um, it's hugely inflationary. And there's a 
a big um a big like supply unlock coming next well, week. I know we month. talked about this during the episode um but there's that much of a mutual exclusivity between the token and the platform. Yeah, I think you find that in a lot of these uh mm. a lot of these like protocols, you know. Yeah. Uniswap true. token, like Uniswap. You know, yeah. Great great app. It's just all about how they set up the tokenomics yeah. and the utility of the token itself, whether it's more governance or not. Yeah, and maybe like uh, maybe June 10th, it gets a nice little pump, and you get get an opportunity to to short it um, at a better price because it, it's down. You know, it's down mm-hmm. another forty percent um, this week. So I don't know that I want to short now. Now, but it's, it's shitty coin. <laughs> All right, I like it. Um, I'll go, and then hopefully the Techno King actually comes back, and we can kick off this uh, year review. So. Um, if you're not watching the YouTube, Stephen is completely frozen. Um, <laughs> so, um, actually, speaking of watching the YouTube, you should watch. You should go look at the video right now because I'm going to give you my alfalfa in visual form. I've got some booze alfalfa guys. Mm. So, Kirkland Signature bottled in bond Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. So usually, you know, when they private label stuff, they white label stuff, they don't tell you really what it is. They tell you on this one, this is Barton, this is Barton, 1792, but it's the bottled and bond edition. Dude, this stuff is good. It's a hundred proof. They also have a small batch by the same distillery, Barton. And uh, that's great too. You spend a little more money, you get one of these. And I mean, dude, you're getting like a liter of this i don't know the price because I'm, I'm visiting family right now i didn't purchase this i just poured half a glass for myself to record it is very good stuff i'm sure it's probably half the price of whatever people normally get you know for the same level kirkland always delivers man kirkland is the shit dude what's that tequila it's like a the añejo yeah. uh kirkland yeah, the kirkland tequila is like fucking good People bucks, love that maybe? stuff. I remember when it first came out, it was like $17.99, $16.99. It's and they kept adding a dollar, adding a dollar. I think yeah. it's like 30 bucks now. Dude, it's still I, good people just go and like buy cases of that. It's it's dude. Kirkland signature like K Sig is the alpha alpha all around. I mean, like uh uh Eric knows I love them for my golf balls. They're essentially pro <laughs> yeah. V1s with a K Sig stamp on them. Yep. And uh yeah, buy those, buy racks of those. Yeah, all the time. I didn't know that. Are they actually essentially Pro V ones? Yeah, they got I wouldn't sued. Be surprised. They got sued oh, by Titleist because oh, it's literally the same. Oh uh, my god! And like, a, oh, a, oh, they didn't do a deal. They just fucking copied them. Uh, yeah, I think they just took it, and um, you know, like a Pro V one costs like four or five bucks per yeah. ball. Yeah, and a Kirkland ball is like a dollar each. So okay, it's a good alfalfa. Usually they white label stuff. They come up with these arrangements. So I don't know what's going on there, but um. I got part two of my alfalfa this week showing on the screen here. I am woolish. So is Nick. I'm wearing my woolish beanie. This is the wolf game, uh, NFT game. We are a year into this thing because when we started this pod, I think it was one of the first episodes we were just talking into the absolute nuances of wolf game. And we realized we're like, guys, there's only like 500 people in the world that are going to know what we're talking about right now. We should probably stop our, talking. Our about first this. three listeners were like, <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. But here we are full circle. <laughs> and uh, a year later or something, the game has launched this morning, um, December 22nd, 2022 launched for three hours before it, it paused. 
um, but I have to say, so absolutely massive shout out to the Wolf Game community and the Shep, the Shepherd himself, the developers, the people behind Wolf Game. My uh, alfalfa for Wolf Game is this: Wolf Game is so brilliant in its execution in everything that they've done across the entire length of time that we've been watching the evolution of this platform. They approached it like true entrepreneurs. They came out with an MVP of a game, monitored the response, developed a relationship with a community, listened to that community, and have spent the last however many months. First of all, they got proof of concept. They they delivered that MVP. The reaction was through the roof. It became one of the top NFTs in the marketplace, and this was at the peak of the the bull market. So there was an absolute frenzy. The the primary um, there's different tokens in the game, but the primary currency of the game, wool, hit like twenty five or thirty cents at its peak. And they've taken the time since then to go back to the drawing board and back to the development cycle and put a full game together. So it's been a long journey to get to this point. And if you ever spend any time in the Discord, the Discord is incredible. Um, not as good as the Alfalfa Discord, but it's pretty damn good. And um, I'm just really proud of like what the, uh, I'm, I'm very, uh, not so much proud, but I, I admire what these people have accomplished because I think that they now have an opportunity in the depths of a bear market to create something really special. TBD, if they, if they will, I'm hopeful, I'm cautiously optimistic. And um, yeah, I mean, I've had various assets that I've bought and sold throughout this last year. Um, I'm selling some now, I'm buying some now. I'm just, I'm not, by the way, I'm not a, a gamer, so I will probably not be playing this game. I think Eric is, uh, Nick probably will too. I played so this I'm morning, like, I played this yeah. morning. As of right, I think you said cautiously optimistic. I'd, I'd em emphasize cautious because as of this exact moment, the game is shut down. They paused it because yeah. there was some some flaw or error. Yeah, three hours yeah. it was live and then it just paused. Yeah, yeah, so I played this morning, early this morning. I got I got my lance set up and had my sheep uh, out there gathering resources. So uh, <laughs> we're already starting to plot sort of some of our uh, some of our friends in Discord members are plotting our moves it's been fun yeah i'm gonna be i'm gonna be watching and uh, living vicariously through you guys i just don't play games the only game i play is called fifa so I for me FIFA. like i don't have that thing to play the game but i love being a part of it so i will be living vicariously through you guys for I, sure i think I'm, I'm curious when this game and people can play it for a few days how close it feels to like a strategy casino because that to me that's that's the bull case uh, for it 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 kind of revolutionized the idea of risk on chain where you can actually lose assets by making decisions and um i think you know the cohort of crypto users that are active and engaged now love that and uh we saw this with Axie. you know like if if the number of active users increases over time um you you could see the the token uh wool increase so i think that's that's like your best case bull case scenario is it actually starts garnering new users you need the token in order to breed assets in order for the game to grow and uh we'll see if that's the case if it doesn't turn out to be so good then it's basically just a player versus player who can sell off their assets uh fast enough at, at the best price which we hopefully don't see but i think it's uh 
a good little case study in what some of these games and how they'll launch and how they'll turn out to be. So it's going to be fun either way. Yeah, that's my that's the part I'm most intrigued about is that this is the pioneering platform for what may become the future of gaming. I know we've said that. Um, so there's a lot of pressure, right, to like execute this in the right way. We'll we'll see whether it's this one or something else, but cautiously optimistic for sure. Um, Nick, why don't you give your uh, alfalfa and then? Oh, you did. All right, we're ready. So um, let's dive in. So, Stephen, why don't you give us a quick uh, market recap of 2022 to set up this whole conversation we're about to have? Year of of wealth building. Yes, (laughs) wealth building. Well, as you remember, we started this podcast uh, in retrospect at the top of a raging bull market, all uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, trading our our shit coins and our, our NFTs and and uh, ever since then, it's been a bit of a bit of a down only ride. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're we're down like 70 percent or so from a year ago on Ethereum. We peaked down like over eighty percent. Uh, it's harder hard to recall now, but there was a time where Jerome is going to raise rates that high, and uh, <laughs> lo and behold, here we are. So it's been a Crazy uh, down only year, um, but we're uh, we're making the we're making the most of it. We've learned a lot along the way. I think uh, hopefully you guys have had as much fun as I have. Yeah, that's one that's that's one way to put it. I think it's been pretty damn depressing <laughs> for a lot of people. Um, obviously, I know we know you're kidding, but um, yeah, I think there's like a reality to just um, think about and feel and and all uncover a little bit around how this past year actually was are there any lessons that we can pull out are there any funny things that we can like things that happen that we can look at in a funny way like i mean there's just so many ways to look at this whole thing and then i think obviously focusing on on how to extract the value of what happened to turn it into wisdom for for next year yeah, well, there's a there's a saying that somebody said in finance, who I, I, I can't remember, but uh, it, it goes something like, uh, y- you don't learn anything when you're making money. And I think that you're just a genius, everything you do works, there's no need for reflection. Uh, you know, so it, it kind of sucks that a lot of us are down so bad. Um, but the flip side of that is that it's a, it's a good opportunity for us to, to actually uh, reflect on on what's happening and uh you know try to try to draw some lessons that can uh you know make us do a little better in the future well so I mean, one thing for I... me when, when i look back uh this year for me was like a, a huge opportunity to learn about macro like the macro side of finance was just never part of my repertoire i was always like a bottom-up uh analyst um and you know this year i learned so much and these are like we've talked about this on like you know almost 10 podcasts now, but like going through this downturn that was all driven by monetary policy, um, you know, that was a huge learning lesson for me. And I want to make sure to give us some, a little bit of credit, you know, in terms of the group think between the the four of us, because I, you know, I believe in, you know, Steven, you had particular credit at the end of 2021 calling the year of 2022 going to be horrible for crypto. Predicted and- doom. That was your your prediction into 2022. And then I'd say maybe about halfway throughout the year, we started as a group kind of like shedding all the BS, you know, and all the, the bullshit you accrue during a bull market. 
whether that's shit coins and NFTs that you don't really want and you realize half this stuff is worthless. And we started shedding that pretty early and then turning to a lot of us net short, you know, in the second half of the year. So, you know, we didn't, I think we, the thing I learned was, you know, about how big, um, you know, crypto is a, is a liquidity sponge. And that liquidity drain started, you know, at the very beginning of 2022. Um, so maybe we miss it by a handful of months. Um, and, but I, I don't think we did too bad. You know, we're not, we're not, uh, calling, uh, you know, permables calling for 10 K ETH all the way down. So I just want to, I'm really proud of that. Actually, I'm really proud of like, obviously the market and all those things have been very difficult for people, as you said, but I'm really happy about the way we showed up on this pod. Um, the nuanced discussions that we had, our ability to stay pretty objective most times, our ability to not let our own bag bias dictate the discussions, our ability to actually look at things for what they are and ultimately play this game beyond even just crypto and say, where is the alfalfa in the entire sector of money and wealth creation? And that takes a lot. That takes a lot of wisdom. That takes a lot of emotional intelligence, actually, to really step into conversations and go, maybe we need to do an episode on real estate. Maybe we need to do an episode on macro. Maybe we need to look at the reality of of this proof of stake system and like uh, actually uh, address some real existential threats and look at how this might affect the allocation that one might hold for the long run. I mean, so many really good moments and conversations. And of course, many mistakes that accompany those conversations. I mean, I made plenty of mistakes. For me, what this past year represented was the first year in which I realized, for the most part, that I could no longer be uh, a passive hodler investor who's uh, buying VTSAX and VTI Vanguard index funds uh, as a large percentage of my portfolio and then some crypto and just say, oh, all you got to do is buy Bitcoin and ETH and and some some stocks and some index funds and some real estate and you're good to go. I mean, this was the first year that that all sort of shattered because my paradigm shifted, the paradigm shifted, the entire paradigm of money has shifted for the first time. And now we're talking about from last money episode that we're potentially sitting on a fucking roller coaster ride for the next decade. That's uncomfortable. That's um that's difficult for for many folks and for us to be able to stay educated and on top of that is going to be very challenging. And again, I'm grateful for the podcast for for the friendship for that because we'll we'll get to continue to do what we've been doing, which is to bring our minds together, to bring our our wisdom together, to bring the knowledge together, to say like, let's make sense of all of this. Um, but yeah, this is what this year represented for me is like every book I've ever read about money is sort of obsolete, like the simple path to wealth. Um, even the psychology of money, you know, shout out to Morgan, love the guy, love his work. Don't think that strategy is going to work going forward. I think that you're going to have to be more active than you would like to be. I wouldn't say you need to become a, a fucking, you know, trader. Um, you don't need to become a, a, a professional, but you are going to need to level up with things like this 
to stay to to make sure you don't get fucking absolutely mutilated along the way. Mm. Well said. I mean, I, I guess I'll talk first about some of the the, the dumb crap that I did. <laughs> I think there's some useful uh, lessons in that. I mean, this is my third bull market. So I've got a few battle scars already. And a lot of those served me very, very well. I mean, I left this market with a lot more money than I started it with, which was, you know, a lot better than some some past experiences. But um, one thing I did that was bad was that I, I still, in spite of like the kind of skepticism and cynicism that like past bull runs sort of instilled in me, I still got caught up in a lot of hype and a lot of, of euphoria. Um, and I, <laughs> yeah, I made mean, a lot of NFTs probably hurt me the most. I mean, I still came out way ahead on NFTs, but I would guess that I probably gave back like, 50% of all the money I made just making dumb purchases, like a couple of really dumb purchases at literally peak euphoria uh, in the bull run. Um, I got caught up a little bit in some of the, uh, the, uh, the DeFi shenanigans, you know, in spite of uh, uh, being in it so long. And I think a lot of that was just like getting in a habit loop. You get in a farm, you print money, you get in a farm, you print money, you get in a farm, you print money, everything's good. And then you, it takes a while for you to realize that like the music's kind of stopped and it's different now. And like, Oh crap, um, you get rugged. Um, and I, I let like some of my risk parameters go. Like I came into it, like I'm not going to put more than 1% in a, in a project like this, or even though, uh, you know, only 1% of my project is in here, actually underneath these five projects is like the same coin and actually have 5% in, right? Stuff like that just like slipped away. And I, I lost like hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to rugs in the spring. I got rugged like all over the place. And it was just like a complete self-inflicted gunshot wound that just happened due to like my own complacency right so i'm so, moving so guys, forward I, writing rules never doing it again so i want to talk about this because i think this is an opportunity to turn this into wisdom what is the cognitive dissonance there guys where it's that this time it's different because steven i'm telling myself after this being my second bull run that my third is going to be fucking perfect that i'm just going to show up and make all the right decisions like i believe that wholeheartedly right now i'm like i know all the patterns i can see the game i'm going to show up next time and just profit like a motherfucker and it's going to be great but you're telling me this was your third time and still you 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 suffered some of the same patterns i'm curious what is this issue with falling uh, uh why, why are we so susceptible to the euphoria why why do we buckle and and just completely collapse in the face of the euphoria is it why do we ask why do why does our brain say this time is different we just we just get we're, we're social creatures i think crypto is a very social thing so it's just like lethal combination of greed and herd mentality that really like has like gasoline poured on it with like the discord and the Twitter environment. And you just get in these bubbles and you all like jazz each other up thinking that like, Oh my God, like we're going to, we're, we're all going to make it, you know, wag me, wag me, wag me. Um, <laughs> it turned out that wasn't uh, exactly true. Um, but I would say another thing isn't necessarily that I made the same mistake over again, but there were new things. Like there wasn't farming 
in the last bull run. There were no protocols on Ethereum in the last bull run. You just bought coins and held them in an exchange wallet, and then you sold the coins. It was simple. Um, so the level of complexity in this bull run, if you think about it, like we went from just buying and selling exchanges on Cryptopia, uh, buying and selling coins on like you know these crappy exchanges to to like having DeFi and, and NFTs and, and and as if the NFTs weren't like complicated enough, we made games out of them, and then the games became these elaborate DeFi Ponzi casinos that obfuscated all this stuff. So like there wasn't really a framework to take into this, like unless you were like a really super smart, savvy veteran person from TradFi, right? And then maybe some of these elements of risk management, you, you spot some of the similarities, but like most people in crypto aren't like that. Most people are just young and like just kind of winging it. It's very wild west. And so a lot of these mistakes, even though they were new to crypto, were actually sort of mistakes humans have made in the past elsewhere, but we're just kind of all making them, you know, for the first time in crypto. And, and and FOMO is such a big factor there, right? Because there is a real um, reality. There, there is a reality that if you mint the right projects or you got involved with the right games, that you could literally make life changing amounts of ETH. And that is something that no matter what you've experienced in the last cycle, you come to this new cycle and you say, holy shit. I don't know what I don't know. Like this could be that life-changing opportunity. And we know people who've made life-changing amounts of money or ETH in this cycle. And so it's real. If you play it right, it, it could be, it, it could completely change your life. But for most people, you know, not going to make it because we make mistakes. We fall for these Ponzi schemes or, or we buy the wrong shit coin. You buy the right shit coin. Totally different, totally different reality. I don't know. I mean, what do you, you? I'm curious how you guys measure the success of of going through a bull market. Like, what's actually the stated goal or outcome of of entering a bull market? And I didn't think I realized that at the end of a bull market, the goal should be to have a lot more cash than you started with, with specifics on cash, not the value of your portfolio in ETH or in shit coins or in NFTs, cash. With the idea being you exit the top of the bull market with more cash than you started with so that you have cash to buy it. And I don't think I kind of understood that. I think I was... Uh, Stephen mentioned a, a previous lesson from a previous bull market, which he learned and I'm I'm learning in this one, kind of like Armand said, is that I just know that my total portfolio value will go up and I can ride these swings because I'm in it for a long haul but you could quickly see that, especially in a volatile asset class like crypto, that um, it is quite suboptimal to do that. And especially if you're as active as, say, we are thinking about it every week, and you might be able to spot some cyclical moves, it kind of makes sense to to actually move into cash during a bull market, which is really scary to do because you're basically admitting that you're going to deny yourself upside. Um, mm -hmm. and so it's, it's just like, it feels almost impossible to do during the middle of it, but yeah. maybe if we remind ourselves that is the stated goal, or at least how I kind of figured it to be is, is the experience wonder, of going through a bull market. Cause yeah, you have to literally sit and just bathe in your FOMO, <laughs> but I wonder if you can replace your FOMO with fear itself. Like if you can reconfigure your brain to say, I could come out an absolute loser at the end of this bull run, 
when the fear, the driving force becomes that, and I must capitalize and move into cash as quickly as possible to actually uh, reward myself for these efforts. If you can make that more powerful than the fear of missing out, the fear of losing should be more powerful than the fear of missing out. Well, and that's the confidence yeah. that's occurring. Yeah. And to, to, to build on what you're saying, I think the big mistake people make in crypto is that they think too much about how much about how much they could lose crypto is really about just completely optimizing for the downside and then the upside sort of takes care of itself you just sort of survive right but people don't think of it like that they're like oh is this going to do a 50x when in reality they should be like is this going to do negative 99 percent with some probability over the next six months but people don't really think that they're just like as you said they fear about missing the gains and in that fear in that fomo you buy the top, you hold too long, you don't take profits and, and and you're screwed. And like for like for some perspective, I think last bull run, I, I think I put like forty thousand ish dollars into it. I, I got up to a peak paper portfolio value of like four million dollars at one point. It was insane. Like I was just trading all the shit coins. I thought I was gonna just I thought I was like the biggest genius on earth. I round tripped it like all the way back like to like below 100k like I, I ended up up but like barely a 2x and it felt like i just lost everything and completely wasted my entire life and i was like super depressed <laughs> and i was just like never again never again like i'm, I'm gonna sell and, <laughs> and i'm glad i learned that lesson but as we said i you know now i'm learning other ones yeah can i can i share my last uh kind of like reflection uh thing i had written down which was to kind of put this uh different label of a persona on instead of a investor to be a, a, a risk manager. And I think you, you mentioned it, Stephen, like that, you know, crypto is one of the fastest racehorses out there. Like when liquidity is rising, it is one of the things that will will grow the fastest and the upside can take care of itself if you're in the right right part of the monetary cycle. And so at that point, it's better to have to like look at yourself as a risk manager um, than an investor meaning not trying to gobble up as much of the gains, but to preserve those gains as they come. And I kind of wish I would have had that uh, hat on, um, you know, uh, in 2021 and 2022, looking back. So as, as I'm listening to you guys, um, you know, I'm, I'm like hearing it and I'm, I'm thinking back, you know, I'm thinking, putting myself in my, my own shoes from this past year. And it's not that easy even for professionals, because like we have outside pressures too. Like if we're not getting all the gains that the market's getting, then clients are up our ass being like, well, what are you doing, dude? Why am I paying you? Um, so there's additional pressure. So that adds to the FOMO. I think like, I agree with you guys that you gotta, you gotta take risk off the table at some point. I think where my, my head goes with that, it's like going from like holding, uh, crypto that's zooming and then going straight to cash is kind of like having the race car full throttle and then going like slamming on the brakes. And that's like kind of hard to do. I think there's like a way to let your foot off the gas, which would be like selling covered calls, buying puts along the way, you know, like sort of managing it that way instead of just being like, oh, at this arbitrary time, I'm going to just now be in cash because I feel like I should be, you know? Right. Now, here's another thing to consider too that uh, like I learned to an extent this year, and that some people really learned. It's that going into cash isn't enough. Like, 
what is your cash? Where is your cash? Right? Like I lost a huge chunk of my stack in in cash because it wasn't really in cash, right? It was exposed to USD. risk in areas I hadn't considered. Yeah, I mean, I lost a little chunk in USD. Fortunately, I hedged that, right? Or otherwise, I would have absolutely gotten annihilated. So thank God for the hedge. But yeah, I lost some there. That was a calculated risk. But there were, you know, other protocols I was in where I thought I was, you know, well, I have this like safe coin, but it was like exposed to something else that like I kind of knew about, but was complacent about and that thing rugged. And then it caused like a contagion effect that like caught me, even though like my little coin was fine. My smart contract was fine. Well, now there's the, the money's gone because of this. Right. So, um, <laughs> cash is not necessarily cash. It's not cash really until it's like literally in your bank account, I think. But then, a you know, a second best thing could be like having it in a, just in a stable coin sitting in a wallet, ideally in multiple wallets, diversifying across like, um, you know, private keys and that sort of thing. There's a lot you can do to really uh, protect yourself if you're super hardcore. And I think you have to be because as, as we saw this year, like when the shit hits the fan, uh, when the, the bull expires, like, holy God, like we never experienced like contagion like we did this year. Like the, the way like things kind of like just one thing after another caused more and more and more chaos. Like pretty soon, like people were liquidated in areas where they didn't even think they had any exposure. And it was, it was uh, really rough. So that's, that's definitely uh, something to take yeah. moving forward. Another review item. And I'm curious if you guys have any more review items before we move to the, to the future um, to wrap this part with, but another review item for me is just like FTX and BlockFi were not supposed to happen in this cycle. Like we were supposed to be past the point of major exchanges like that with billions of dollars uh, locked up in them failing. And um, yes, we can discuss why that happened and that that isn't a fault of crypto, but rather humans, which I, I, I agree with. Um, but still, like it still wasn't supposed to happen. We we assumed that we were past the stage of these sort of like malfunctions. And it was sad to see that happen because I know people that I told to get on BlockFi. And I know we all did uh, because it was the best game in town um, and or people that we maybe knew or didn't know that had immense amounts of crypto or dollars or whatever um, on FTX or whatever else it might be, Celsius, and and it's gone. And uh, they came to crypto because they saw this as uh, the savior of Rome and it instead just fucked them. And that's sad. And I just want to acknowledge the the pain there. For a lot of people, I don't know what the lesson is. I guess the lesson is um, <laughs> nothing is safe. Maybe not even next time. You know, just be careful. Um, yeah. yeah, be careful is is really the. So, what about looking forward? Are you guys excited about anything, or is it just death and you want to just be careful <laughs> yeah, the rest I of mean, your life? Who, who wants Who wants to start? I feel like I'm going to be like maybe a little bit of a downer. So do you, do you want to start with like downer? Well, do you want to like put it in the middle? I, like I ran, which do we have like two optimism pieces well, of bread I, to wedge it in between? I, I do want to say I ran our last episode through an AI. I'm working on a summary feature for Steno. So Steno, for those people nice. that don't know is like, uh, um, it's my company and we're, we're fundraising right now as well. And, um, we transcribe podcasts. We basically take all this knowledge and wisdom that is locked up in the audio of these podcasts. And we transcribe them using OpenAI's 
whisper technology and the whisper technology, which is like an exponential upgrade to the technology we were using before will be, be live on the site now or soon by the time you hear this. And um, we're also working on this like summary feature. You have like this two hour podcast, like sometimes you can't, you want to sit and reference the material, but sometimes you just want the summary. And uh, I ran, I ran, we're, we're, I'm comparing different tools to do this with, and I ran our last episode or last money episode specifically through assemblies, uh, assembly AI's tool for summaries. And it was like 83% negative sentiment and probably the last, <laughs> and probably, probably the last half an hour has been all negative. So I think we should definitely try to try to go at least a little bit into the positive sentiment territory. I thought you guys would enjoy that, but yeah, maybe 2023 will, I guess my question is, will 2023 have um, more positive or negative sentiment overall? Would you guys guess? Uh, it's going to be a roller coaster. I feel like, I, you know, Eric, to answer your question, I, I feel a little more excited just because I feel a little more informed. And I don't know if that's misplaced, you know, information or or knowledge, but we'll, we'll find out. But I guess looking forward to 2023, I'm kind of looking at like a framework of, I'm looking at the direction of liquidity, the direction of growth and or not, you know, maybe declining growth, aka maybe recession, and then the direction of credit. So those three things specifically. So in my mind, like liquidity will continue to go down. And that means that that's the closest thing tied to asset prices. So we will, you know, I'm looking for ETH and other, you know, asset classes continue to decline in, in price. And then maybe start to see like earnings declines in Q1, Q2 coming up. So going from slowing positive growth to maybe negative growth. And maybe that leads us into recession in the middle to late of next year. And then the next thing to look over after that, after we start seeing that kind of declining growth for me is some kind of credit-based trigger event. Um, US seems pretty strong compared to Europe and China. Um, so maybe it happens in in somewhere like, like China or Europe, um, but it could also happen in a part of, of the US. I think we might get like a whiff of what, how bad deflation really can get and why it can be so destructive. I saw some stats on like the used car market of how like used cars are starting to, you know, the prices are deflating and they're underwater on the loans. So that would be like a really, you know, prime example of how bad deflation is. You know, your your debt stays the same and the, the asset prices keep going down and get underwater. I don't know if that's going to be like the credit event that that triggers a potential pivot and and liquidity going up again. But I guess that's how I'm looking at it is like what directions liquidity go in? Then, you know, is growth going to start to decline? And will that trigger a credit event, which then leads you back to the liquidity uh, part? Is that going to keep going down or go up because there's a liquidity trigger? So, not like a hard predictions either way, but just kind of like maybe a framework to kind of of events and phases to, to look out for is kind of how I'm looking at it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Was that too negative for you, Stephen? Or are you going to go even more? Yeah, yeah I'm, it's gonna be worse than that. Yeah. Okay. I got. I have optimism. I don't. I don't know if I should stay to the end because I, I. I'm. Oh, optimistic. you should save it for the end um, if you're optimistic. Okay. Or you could just roller coaster it, mix it up, go up, go back down, like take people for a ride. Yeah, we're gonna go down, up, and then down again. Down. So we're gonna go up and then down and then up and then down. No, like I. I kind of think next year is mostly going to be down only. I, I'm like very partial to the idea that we go up at the beginning of Q1. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, but I don't really see why 
we keep going up. Um, I also think the thing that would be like the best for the market, like especially if you're a crypto investor, like what you really want is a credit event. You want some systemic collapse to happen because if it's really, really bad and you're in cash for it, well, it just basically means that money printer gets turned back on and you get to buy a bunch of assets at the bottom and like, ah, you know, you waited out a year of a bear and it was kind of rough, but like, whatever, you just scooped up some uh, $600 or $500 ETH and now you're off to the moon. That's what everybody wants. Um, or I think everybody wants some like miraculous, like, you know, great deflation and Goldilocks trade, which I, I also just don't really see happening. I mean, obviously these things can happen, but I, I just don't see it. It, it, it. it kind of feels like the most plausible outcome is that we, we get a recession like towards the end of the year, but like maybe it's not even that bad. So there's not really any catalyst I can see for inflation to come down. And because there's not really a catalyst for inflation to come down, there's no reason for the Fed to really lower rates or stop QT. And, and like we're just we're trading liquidity right now. Like as much as we want to talk about all these magic ETH tokenomics, and, and they are true on a relative basis, like on a relative basis, if crypto is going down, it doesn't matter. And if crypto is just a liquidity trade, then in that type of environment, we just kind of go down only. So I can, I could see like a, you know, maybe some events here and there, but mostly like a year of just bleed, I think. And that would probably be the most painful thing to everybody because what's most painful is just having to wait. We're like a very impatient culture now. Like the idea that we have to wait for everybody's I've noticed this with investing lately is everybody's sense of time is so warped. Like, oh, it's been so like, oh, we're going to go up now. Or this guy, it, people can't wait like a week for like a thesis to play out or a month, never mind like two years, which is what. Um, so that's the rough outline of what I think is going to happen. I, I still like, to me, I, I, I still see froth in the system. I think the froth is exemplified by like crappy altcoins. Um, I, I think it's insane to me that like stuff like Amazon and Facebook has like retraced its COVID lows and, and Cardano is, is still like 80, 90% from them. Right. Um, I, I really think that we lose like another 80% or so um, from here on like the total three, you know, basically all the altcoins besides Bitcoin and ETH. Like I, I kind of think that's like my base case. Um, like a basically like a bleed off until late summer. Like I, I could make an argument for crypto and maybe like front running the bottom of a recession by a couple months or something. Um, so that makes sense to me. Um, but like there, I just see confluence with like 11, 11 and a half K Bitcoin, like $600 ETH. I, I, I this is like an unpopular view, but I, I just really think ETH is going to collapse a bit versus Bitcoin, in spite of what we all want it to do, it just it just doesn't look good. So I think, yeah, I think you get eighty percent down and all. So I think you get six hundred dollar ETH sub six hundred dollar ETH, and I think you get like eleven ish thousand BTC summer, um, and then maybe maybe then like like six months of boredom after that still. And then I'm hoping that early twenty twenty four, you know, mid twenty twenty four, we can kind of resume uh, up only. But that's that's kind of my rough outline of, of how i'm looking at everything um I, I, yeah maybe you maybe you want to pick me up there eric <laughs> yeah just made everybody sad. eric let's hear it okay so when i said that i'm optimistic i use that term intentionally um 
because it's it's independent of being bullish, right? Um, I'm optimistic. Um, I'm I'm seeing development. I'm I'm seeing continued human innovation globally. I'm seeing like the United States continue to to outperform. Uh, these are things that I'm optimistic about. And um, you know, if you look back at history, um, you know, over a hundred plus years, you'll see you'll see periods where you don't necessarily want to own assets, but like that chart looks up only over a long period of time. And I, and I'm maintaining that optimism. Um, I think like, so I lived in San Francisco for 10 years previous to this, and I wasn't even as dialed in to sort of like the, what I consider to be like the future or like understanding what the future looks like as I am right now. And it's, it's largely due to this mind share we have here, including the discord crypto, Twitter, et cetera. Um, so I, I maintain this optimism. I, I think I can like, I can turn off the bullishness clearly, you know, like we did a good job of hedging that on the downside throughout this last year. Um, you know, I I'm envisioning 2023 for my, for me as like a year where I will look to accumulate a lot of ETH. Like I, I sold a lot in 2022. I will look to get back in, in 2023, you know, timing it properly I I'm I'm hopeful that it goes down to 600 like Steven's saying because then I'll just shove all the way in and then like that that to me seems optimistic because I I I've identified that this is something that I want to own. Yeah. <laughs> that goes toward part of my like it's not so much a prediction but a desire. Um I'm looking to make as much money as possible in 2023. And the reason for that is that I want to shove <laughs> <laughs> and uh you, you can't do that without more disposable income and uh you know fortunately and unfortunately like grateful for the lifestyle i live i live a very ridiculous lifestyle in san diego and uh spend way too much money on on too many things that should not cost that much money being yeah, in you're california ridiculous. <laughs> yeah it, it is ridiculous like the overhead is actually ridiculous um shocking really and yet i also want this like goal of more overhead like life staff in every area which is just more overhead but that said that causes me to need to generate more and more personal income and i want to shove more of that into things like eth and btc for me what this last year represented was the year of shock and I think that, as Steven said, there are so many people that just want to see recovery and up only from here. They want to, okay, we bled enough, we suffered enough, like, let's just recover now and go back to the way things used to be. I think 2023 for me, and I look at things on a much longer time horizon than I think most most of you do, than you guys do. And the way I see it is just like a couple years of boredom. Uh, just sideways, you know, and yes, there will be plenty of things to do uh, during next year and there will be opportunities for sure. But I just see a lot of boredom. I see a lot of sideways action, a lot of like oscillating in a very small window, you know, somewhere between where we are now, the 1200 to the 800 region. Uh, for a while, I could see us going up to 1500, 2000. I could see us going down to 500. But to me, it's all still sideways in the grand scheme. And I think what that creates is the opportunity for creation itself, for building. And where I see the majority of, of, of people's focus and energy going is toward building and getting busy with building the future itself. So that's what I will be doing 
Um, I see a, 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 a lot of opportunity in Web3. I see a lot of opportunity in AI. I see a lot of opportunity to uh, stand out and innovate and uh, magnetize capital um, toward toward your company, toward your your skill set, toward your ability to to solve problems and generate uh, more revenue for yourself, whether that be in a job or in a company. I think this is the year to learn as well. Whether you want to become a developer or you want to go into AI or you want to go into Web three or whatever it might be, e commerce. There's a an incredible amount of opportunity. It's something akin to like what what also. COVID was, you know, COVID uh, started the, like in, in so many ways, started people's companies, right? Started people's um, dreams. Like they finally gave up the fake lives they were living and said, I'm not going to do that anymore. I know what my priorities are. I'm going to spend time doing what I actually love doing. And I see next year being something similar to that, where people are just like, what am I, what am I doing still? Like the, the inflation is through the roof in so many countries around the world, in particular in America and uh, even, even in America. And yet I'm in the, in the safe boat. So what am I doing if the rest of the world is collapsing? And obviously I'm, you know, we have listeners all around the world, so we, we know many of them will be suffering and that's difficult. So I see people getting smart and I see people building and preparing for a future of uh, uncertainty. And I think the best way to do that is to put yourself in the right position to extract the maximum value. So I don't know what the market's going to do. I'm not a macro expert, but I know that my personal goal is to make sure that I'm in the right position for the next decade. I'm not talking about the next year. I'm talking about the next decade. Can I can I think about uh, ETH in particular really quickly, like in 2023? Discord user Rizzy has sort of pushed me to be more data-driven and, and be more concrete in my my forecast. So what I'm what I'm picturing now is like a return to the 4K level for ETH would signify that ETH is 50% larger than Visa. Uh, Visa does 150 times the dollar the dollar transaction value than ETH does. So I, I don't think ETH being 50 times 50% larger than Visa makes sense to me. Like I, I don't see 4,000, like a, a return to previous highs. That doesn't make sense to me. But ETH at its current state, is valued at the same uh, market cap as Charles Schwab, and that that seems low to me. Like if we can start settling um, actual like trading volume on ETH, right? Because we, we still don't know where this thing's going. Like ETH is uh, settling NFT transactions today, but like what if we can get like synthetic real world assets settled on ETH? Well, at that point, like um, I could definitely see being larger than Charles Schwab. No problem. Like, so I guess my prediction is that we land somewhere in the middle of that. And and frankly, I don't I don't actually care about 2023. I'm bullish on this. This is for next. This is for next year. You're you're gonna throw like a high for next year out there for us. I'm not because I I don't actually care. What I'm trying to do is accumulate more ETH. Um, I I do think that if it if it ever got close to say Visa's market cap, that would be a point in the near term where I would be looking to uh, de-risk as we talked about in the beginning of this episode. Cool. Well, I'm curious if any of you guys have any uh, predictions you'd like to get on the record for next year that we can you know, mock you mercilessly with a, a year from now. Um, replay this Man. video endlessly. I am Would not a predictor. I'm not a predictor. Um, yeah, I mean talking highs. Yeah, I got I got another. 
any sort of predictions that you want well, to Well, I have there. a cop-out prediction. Okay. My prediction oh, is that in 2023, I 3X minimum my long bag of ETH. Let's go. Okay. I like that. Ooh, let's go. Um, I don't have any bottom predictions, but I do have my uh, limit orders set from looks like 526 through 890 for ETH. So I don't know if that's a, it's not a prediction, but that's where my money's laying for now. Um, so that's on the low end. As far as like outrageous predictions, I'll give you a non-crypto one. Mm-hmm. I think by the end of next year, you could potentially see um, you know, like Germany, Germany's industrial sector, like fully collapse, um, is one thing that I think is pretty high probability. It's probably not even out there of a prediction, but you know, they made it through, uh, 2022 and stored enough energy and, uh, natural gas, which was pulled from the Nord Stream pipeline, uh, which has obviously been blown up since then. And so, you know, when it comes to next year, those in industrial businesses, meaning chemical producers, plastics producers, um, you know, basically raw material producers like BASF, are, are not going to be able to be in business anymore because just the baseload energy is going to be too expensive um, for them to be in business. And I think it's going to reverberate through all of Europe. I mean, there's a lot of um, companies that buy raw materials from Germany's industrial base. Um, they use those chemicals, those plastics, those parts into their goods and services that they they do. And I think it could even harm like some of the um, sweaty startups of Europe. You know, like if a, if a roofer doesn't have roofing tiles to put on a roof, he he can't provide his service. So um, yeah, I think a a blow up of Germany's industrial base could could certainly uh, happen by the end of next year. So that's one we can get on the record. Good. That's good. I like that. Armand, do you have any you'd like to get on the record? Uh, will we see the uh, will we see the end of the Ukraine war? I don't know. Will we see will we see some macro changes? Will we see a free Iran? I'd like that one. That would be nice. Is China going to gonna reopen? Is China going to reopen? More, those, those are more hopes, but I'll, I'll allow them. <laughs> allow them. Um, how much should we dump into Ukraine this morning again? It's a joke at this point. I'm sorry. Is this a money episode or politics? Yeah, we, we while you were off the air, we actually already uh, nixed this conversation. So let's not. <laughs> All right, <laughs> go down I'll save it. Here. All right, I'll, I'll throw save some it. Dumb, I'll throw some dumb shit out there since none, none of you guys want to get on the record. I'll I'll, I'll be mercilessly shameful. Let, let me let me go through my uh, dumb predictions list for next year. Okay, I've got a uh, China invades Taiwan. <laughs> I've got bored apes trade below twenty thousand dollars. I've got, uh, I already said ETH loses 30% versus Bitcoin. Uh, that one I don't even think is that crazy. Uh, oh, uh, we have a massive flash crash due to uh, zero day options and we uh, we completely nerf them or, or ban them outright. Uh, ETH like does not trade over $1,700 next year and oil hits over $200 a barrel. Oh, hey, speaking of, can I sneak in my question before we wrap? So <laughs> one of my questions for you guys for this year was, is, is something that has been left unsolved for some of our discussions from 2022 is what is the best way to play natural gas and oil? Like, you know, you can't go buy barrels of oil. You can't go buy natural gas, like rolling contracts. I don't, I don't know how to do that. Um, but 
this is part of my like 2023 thesis that like, yeah, we could see a spike in real hard commodities, but I don't know how to play it. And remember, I mean, this was during our Wednesday discussions. We were literally sitting around cigars and wine and a few drinks being like, Russia is going to invade Ukraine. Natural gas is going to spike. Oil is going to spike. And we we literally couldn't figure out how to play yeah. it. So it's, it's, it's a year later from that same discussion, and I still don't know how to play it. I have the XLE as kind of like oil companies. Um, anyway, if we don't have the answer, someone has the answer that's listening, would love um, you know, your input and to hop My in answer is don't trade natural gas unless you have an absolute death wish. That thing is the devil. All right. What about oil? <laughs> so like I, I have this alternate thesis with oil is that like uh, we're gonna see demand destruction like globally. And I don't think oil, you know, maybe commodities zoom, but like I don't see oil going to 200 maybe i do i mean maybe it just goes down to 50 dollars <laughs> before it goes to 200 you know like i think that is plausible to me yeah i mean that's one of the open-ended questions i have looking at 2023 is like a recession gonna decrease demand for commodities like oil or you know we could be into like a new energy regime where like energy was like abundant and money was basically free to invest in energy and that's no longer the case like energy is a little more scarce and money is expensive. And so investment in energy is incredibly risky and expensive now. And so this could mark a line of like, and, and we're moving into a multipolar world, you know, where it's not everyone playing together in one big global happy family where there's, you know, um, you know, deflationary dynamics at play. Now, no one, you know, people don't play along with each other anymore and they're going to hoard resources and that's going to affect supply chains. And, and so I don't know, I, I don't know what, yeah, you know, I don't know what moves the oil market up and down on any given day, but I do want to at least know how to play it so that if it does come up during 2023, um, you know, you at least have. I mean, have you, you can you can buy like longer. You can buy futures. I don't think it's like super super complicated. Is there is there like a put on oil right now with the U.S. saying they'll they'll replenish the SPR at 70 or is that fake? Like because it, it it it's uh I, I mean it seems to have worked so. Because so like, I mean, it bottomed right at seventy seventy one. Right? Well, I'm actually yeah. thinking back to our previous analyses of like the Ethereum Foundation dumping ETH, Elon dumping Tesla. Like, if if the U.S. is drawing down their reserves at eighty dollars a barrel, like, do they know that they're going to pick it up back at like thirty bucks or something? Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, else. but like that that seemed like a good uh, that seemed like a good trade with uh, Biden, uh, you know, covering the floor underneath you. I, I I wish I took it at the time. I mean, I guess I. I guess I can still buy some more. I've been meaning to to I mean, buy a little bit like of oil. Seventy eight right now. It's not that. It's yeah. not that far. Not that bad. Not that bad. Oh, I forgot one on here. Solana sub three dollars. Oh yeah, Coin wow. Mamba vindicated. <laughs> wow. Would you buy? Uh, no. I would, I would. I would think about it. It would depend on the. Yeah. Uh, I'm short. I'm short. Dollars. Soul. It's like the, it's the unimaginable. It's just the full negative 99%. Let's do it. Such a happy trade. The soul, the soul brother is short soul. Yeah, man. With, with, uh, the FT. How does the soul sister feel about that? Well, she's wrecked. So the The YouTube channel shut down. She 
wrecked. Well, Soul Wifey learned a valuable lesson about shit coins and a whole bunch of other stuff. This uh, bull market. So oh, nobody man. ever referred to Solana as a shit coin. Well, so not not for a while. At the least. Soul Sister has become a bit of a, a Bitcoin maxi. Uh, I hadn't hadn't discussed that with you guys. Oh, this is how Bitcoin yeah. maxis are made. This is yeah. how they're made. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I like that. All right. When laser eyes. <laughs> All right, save it for politics, guys. We got two more episodes to do. We love you, everybody. That's a wrap. See you in the Discord, alfalfapod.com. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry yes. Christmas. Jesus. Merry Happy Christmas. New Year. Happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Are we doing Kwanzaa? I don't know. But have, have a great have Everyone a great has weekend. one. Everyone has one friend that celebrates Kwanzaa, right? Happy not, Festivus. Go find one. Yes. Festivus. For the rest of us. For the rest of us. Thank you. Uh, happy Yalda. Longest night of the year. The winter solstice. The Persian celebration mm. that was last night. You celebrate that. Wow, that's dark. Oh yeah, like a true Persian, man. All right, guys. That's a wrap. Peace. 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 Peace.